Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We are thankful and grateful this afternoon to be in your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for making it possible for us to gather here. And Lord, we know and we are confident that even as we have gathered here, by your word, you say that if two or three gather in your name, you are there in their midst. Therefore, Lord, we are confident that you are here in our midst because this gathering is not unto any man but unto you. Therefore, Spirit of God, I ask that you speak to us, have your way amongst us, change our hearts, transform us. Let the word of God affect our lives this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you take your seats with a clap offering? Hallelujah. Do you feel the anointing that is upon the choir? There is this special anointing that is upon the choir. And um, I see God taking them higher and higher. Amen. 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 Wonderful. It's powerful. Wow. I'm very, very happy to stand before you once again to minister to you. It is, it is not an easy thing to be away from church. To be away, and especially from your own church. You see, some of your issues, something should happen to you when you are not in church. You know, when you miss church, something should, you should feel something about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you, it does not matter to you. Missing church is just like you skip lunch. You know, it's, 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 it's nothing to you. It's like you can pick up again. You know, but when you, miss, when you miss a church service, when you miss a particular, even one service, understand that you have missed something very important, that the Lord came to speak to his people and you were not there. See it like that. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Yes. Wonderful. And um, I heard last week that you had a very powerful service, very anointed service. In my absence, do you see it's marvelous. And you see, I believe that sometimes God does some of these things to just show us, to just prove to us that it's not of man, hallelujah, but it's of God. Amen. Amen. And whenever, that is why whenever you are in the house of God, whenever you come to church, when you are in the house of God, have the mindset that God is going to speak to you, Hallelujah. And have a mindset that you will be blessed. Amen. Because your blessing does not depend on who is delivering the word of God. Do you understand? Your blessing does not depend on who is delivering the message at all. Or the style even of the person who is delivering the message. Your blessing does not depend on that at all. Your blessing depends on the fact that it is the word of God. 
and you are receiving it as such. Hallelujah. There's a scripture in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 and 13. Let's read that. Look at that. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do you see? So, it's not of Paul. And then verse 13, he says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God. It is not a man. It does not depend on the pastor. It is God who worketh in you. It is God who is working in you. Hallelujah. So whenever you are in church, no matter who stands to minister, as long as it is from the word of God, have a mindset that you are going to be blessed. Do not lock your mind at all. Oh, pastor is not here. It's nice to miss a person, but your blessing will not be missed. Hallelujah. You see, when, when, you, go to, when you go to one of these ex- established restaurants, like you go to McDonald's. When you go to McDonald's and you look on the menu, what you are ordering is a hamburger. Isn't that so? You are ordering a hamburger. You are not ordering the person who is serving you. Do you see? You are not ordering even the style of the person who is serving you. You don't care how the person flips the burger. What you want is McDonald's hamburger. Isn't that so? In fact, the reason why you were driving around, you, the reason why you were driving around and you saw the big M and you drove there wasn't because of the guy who was going to serve you. But you know, you know that as for this place, as for this place, if I go there, what they will give me is a hamburger that is made by McDonald's. And no matter where you go, no matter which McDonald's that you drive to, you're going to find some, sometimes a person will come with a very nice style of serving. Some people carry, especially if you sit in a restaurant, some people carry the tray in a particular way. They carry the tray with different styles. They bring it in different styles. Do you see? And you may like it. Sometimes the person who is serving you may be very rude. Do you see? This person may be very rude. Sometimes you don't like the way the person talks. You don't like the way the person handles the burger, the way he puts it in the bag, you didn't like it. Or the way the person folded your bag, you didn't. But what you can be assured of is that what is inside is McDonald's burger. And that nothing can change it. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Nothing can change it. And so is the word of God. What you can be assured of is the word of God. No matter who is delivering it, no matter who is sharing it, as long as you open the scriptures and you are sharing, it is the word of God. And if you have a mindset to receive it, you're going to be blessed. Amen. You're going to be blessed. Irrespective of the person's style. Irrespective of the person's accent. Irrespective of the person's grammar, even. Hallelujah. It is the word of God and nothing can change it. 
Hallelujah. And I believe that you are very wise people. Amen. I say you are very wise people. Oh, you didn't clap for yourself that you are very wise people. Amen. You know, because, you see, when God, when God is moving, when the things are pertaining to God, you, it doesn't come in very large scales. It doesn't come in a magnitude that, you see, because, you see, ordinary people, ordinary people, when they hear of God, when they think it, this must be God, they are expecting that it has to be some wild move. It has to be like a big bang. If God is coming, if God says he's coming to visit his people, it has to be some magnificent way of arrival. It has to be some, uh, some, some, something that the human mind cannot even comprehend. Do you see? But God comes in a form that you least expect. God comes in a form that you will least anticipate. Do you see? And the Bible says it takes only wise men, wise men, people who are wise to see God when he is in the form of a baby. It takes only wise men. Wise men can receive the things of God. Only wise men can see God in someone who they are older than. Only wise men can receive God in someone who can be their child. Only wise men can come and kneel in a manger and bow to a baby that looks like nothing. Only wise men can receive. Only wise men. Hallelujah. Only wise men. And it says they travel from the east. Come in. Who are they coming for? Coming for a baby. Big people, kings, kings cannot receive from a baby like that. Kings cannot receive big people, people who feel big. Someone like Herod cannot receive when God is in a form like that. And so he says, when you find this God, bring him that I can, or come and tell me that I can also go and serve him. But only wise men can receive God when he's in small sizes, when he's like nothing, when he doesn't look like anybody, when he doesn't look like our kind. Only wise men can receive God in that form. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So always have a mindset whenever you come to the house of God that you are going to be blessed. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, I just want to share a very simple message with you this afternoon. We can close and go home, isn't that so? I am blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. But I just want to share this simple message with you. Turn with me to Revelations. Revelations chapter 3. And verse 20. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Hallelujah. This is my message. How many of you have heard this scripture before? 
Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Hallelujah. Now it's quite interesting that Jesus does not force his way. He does not force his way into our lives. It's very interesting that Jesus does not force his way into our lives, but he says he stands and he knocks. He's knocking to see if someone will open unto him. Hallelujah. What is the purpose of a door? Why do we place a door in a place? Why do we put doors at certain places? Hallelujah. Doors are placed so that people will not gain access without permission. We put doors in a place and allow the entrance of only certain people who have permission or only certain people who we want to allow in. That is the reason why we place doors. Doors are placed to prevent intruders from coming in. Isn't that so? When there is no door, it is a sign or it means that anyone can come in and out. When there is no door, it means that there is no restriction of access. It means you can come in and go out whenever you want. But when they place a door, it means you need permission. Auric, isn't that so? When they put a door there, it means you need permission. The moment you see a door, it means you cannot get in unless you are allowed. But once they place a door, it means there is no longer free access. Hallelujah. And even sometimes they will put a key in the door to tell you that completely no access. Hallelujah. Some of you have roommates. You have roommates and they have shut their doors. They always shut their doors. The moment they come in and they find that there has been an intruder, you see that they'll put a key to the door. Isn't that so? So if you see a lock, it means that you don't even have access to this place. Some of you came to live with relatives. And when you came, you stayed there for a month, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, seven months. They have not given you a key to the house. It means you have to pack and move. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have been there for seven good months and you don't have a key to the main entrance. It means it's time for you to move out. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And sometimes also they give you a key. And if you are given a key, the key is only to the main entrance. Isn't that so? The key is only to the main entrance. You have lived there for a year and a half, two years, and you have a job, and you also receive mail, but you don't have a key to the mailbox. Not that they cannot make you a copy, 
you are restricted. You don't have access to the mailbox. Isn't that so? That is what it means. You cannot just get in the mailbox and pick up whatever you want. Or because your mail come through, that you need, you have access to it. Hallelujah. You may have access to the bathroom. You may have access to the kitchen. You may have limited access to the refrigerator. But you may not have access to their bedroom. Amen. You can live there for many years. You will not have access to the bedroom. Hallelujah. So you will find out that the bedroom door is always closed. The bedroom door is always closed. All the doors in the house are open, but the bedroom door is always closed. It means you don't have access to that place. It means you are not welcome there. Hallelujah. Now you realize that most of the precious things that we have, most of the precious things that we have, we don't leave them in the living room. We don't leave them in the kitchen. Our precious items, we don't leave them in our bathrooms and leave the doors open. The most precious items that we have, they are in the room where the door is closed. Hallelujah. Now, in the same way, we also have several doors in our lives. There are several doors that we have in our lives, and Jesus is saying he is standing at the door and he is knocking at each one of these doors if we will give him access into those rooms. Hallelujah. And so, you see in the scripture, he says, we stand at the, he stands at the door and knock. He stands at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Hallelujah. Now, why should Jesus still be standing at the door and still be knocking? Are we not born again Christians? Have we not given our lives to Christ? Have we not invited him into our lives? So why would he still be standing at the door and knocking? So you realize that this scripture, this particular scripture, often we quote it when we are witnessing to unbelievers. Isn't that so? Isn't the time, even as I began to share with you, didn't you think that, we are going to talk about salvation and soul winning. How many of you can say that's where we're going? Because whenever we quote this scripture, we, we, we have in mind unbelievers. That Jesus is standing at the door and is knocking. If they will let him, he will come in. Hannah, isn't that so? But you see, if you look at this whole scripture, look at verse 1, for instance. Verse 1, it says, I'm talking about Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write. Does it sound like he was speaking to unbelievers? He says, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write. That means to the pastor of the church of the Sardis, write this message. Write this. Verse 7, he says, 
And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. Do you see? So he was not talking to unbelievers. He was talking to Christians. He was talking to believers. Verse 14, he says, and unto the church of the and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things. Hallelujah. And the last verse in that particular chapter, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto unbelievers. What the Spirit saith unto the world. What? What the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hallelujah. So Jesus was talking to Christians. Jesus was not talking to unbelievers. Now what does that mean? What does that mean? It means as Christians, we also have doors that the Lord is seeking to gain access into. It means there are still doors in our lives that Jesus is seeking to gain access into and he does not have access. Hallelujah. In every house, there is not only the front door. In every house, there is a front door and there are several other doors. There are different doors. You may gain access to the main house, but there are other doors that you need to gain access before you, go, you get in. Hallelujah. So, though we have access, though we have given access to Christ, though we have opened the door of salvation, we have opened unto him to come in, Please, if you sleep on this message, I'll ask you to stand up. Hallelujah. Because this is the reason why certain doors are closed in our lives. Amen. If you sleep, I will ask you to stand up. And I'll pour water on you. Hallelujah. I'm preaching a very important message. Amen. I said, you may have opened the door of salvation to Christ, but there are other doors in your life as a Christian, as a believer that are still close to Christ. You may have invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior, but there are other doors in your life. Because he says, I stand at the door and knock. He wants to gain access to this door, and he would like to gain access into that door, and to that door, and to this door also. Amen. Amen. When Christ arrives in your life, it's not the end. There is more that he wants to do in your life. And there is more that needs to be done in your life. Hallelujah. You see, Paul had this, Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, It is reported commonly. Let's read from the message verse. He says, I also received a report of scandalous sex within your church family. 
this is the church family. He says, it is reported commonly. He says, I, have, I also received a report of scandalous sex within your church family. A kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. Scandalous, the kind that is not even tolerated outside of the church. The kind that unbelievers cannot even stand for. What kind of sex was that? He says, one of your men is sleeping with his stepmother. One of the church members is sleeping with his stepmother. One of the born again Christians is is sleeping with his stepmother. Verse 2. And you are so above it all that it doesn't even faze you. Shouldn't this break your heart? You see, it means that we hear about this. You see, a lot of you, you hear about a lot of things, but it doesn't bother you. He says, shouldn't this break your heart? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? We are not talking about the man who is in that sin. He's talking to the rest of the congregation. Should not this bring you down on your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? You see, but we don't like to deal with conducts like that. We like to talk about it and say, look at Christians. Look at the Christian and look at what he's doing. Look at the Christian and look at what she's doing. Look at the Christian and she's sleeping with his stepmother. And we talk about that. But we don't like to deal with the conduct. Amen. Amen. Verse 3. He says, I tell you what I will do. Even though I am not there in person, consider me right there with you. Because I can fully see what's going on. I am telling you that this is wrong. You must not simply look the other way and hope it goes away on its own. Bring it out in the open and deal with it in the authority of Jesus our master. This is Christians. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And then he says, assemble the community. I will be present in spirit with you. And our master Jesus will be present in power. Hold this man's conduct up to public scrutiny. Let him defend it if he can. But if he can't, then out with him. It will be totally devastating to him, of course, and embarrassing to you. But better devastation and embarrassment than damnation. You want him on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of judgment. Hallelujah. Now verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. It says, I wrote wrote you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous. Young people, I am speaking to you. I say, I am speaking to you. It says, I wrote you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous. Amen. Amen. I didn't mean that you should have nothing to I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders of that sort or with crooks whether blue or white color or with spiritual phonies for that matter. You would have to leave the word entirely to do that. Do you understand? You cannot, you see, that is, we cannot 
have in a church that we don't have these things amongst us. We cannot say that we don't have spiritual crooks. We cannot say that we don't have thieves amongst us. We can't say that we don't. Then you have to leave this world and go somewhere else. You can't find a group of people where such sin do not prevail. Do you understand? But he says, the next verse, he says, but I'm saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine. When one of your Christian companions is promiscuous or crooked, is flip with God or rude to friends. I am talking about Christians. He says he's rude to friends. He gets drunk. These are Christians in the church. He gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory. You can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behavior. You can't treat this as acceptable behavior. Hallelujah. So what I'm sharing with you is that these things are prevalent or are common with Christians. Hallelujah. It is common with Christians. We see this being associated with Christians. And in verse 12, it says, I am not responsible for what the outsiders do, but don't we have some responsibility for those within our community of who? Of believers. We cannot assume that if everyone here is born again, then certain sins do not prevail against or prevail amongst us. And the last verse, it says, God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line and if necessary, clean house. Hallelujah. Call for Jesus. Amen. So he says, he stands at the door and knock. There are certain doors in your life that need to be opened. Imagine you are living with someone and the only place you are allowed to be or to use is the living room. David. Imagine you're living with someone and the only place you are allowed is the living room. You sleep in the living room. You have some clothes you fold and you put behind the sofa. That's your, ta- your towel, your undergarments, everything is behind the sofa. That is the only place that you have access. It's not a nice thing. Hallelujah. Even I, as a pastor, there are some of you, your lives are completely close to me. Several doors are close. And I don't know, several doors. Amen. Some of you are saying, even Jesus, we have closed these doors to you. <laughs> even we have not let Jesus in. Pastor, you are, you are standing at the door. You will stand. Ah, what do you want? What do you want? Mercy on you. Amen. But this is what we do to Christ. Although he's in the house, he's not allowed in certain areas of our house. In fact, he's not allowed in several areas of the house. Hallelujah. Now, that is why many Christians do not benefit from the Christian life. That is why many Christians do not benefit from working with Christ. And that is why you hear so many people say all sorts of things about Christians. 
They say, is that a Christian? He's a Christian and he's doing this. Is he a Christian and he speaks like that? He's a Christian and he does this. Is he a Christian and I saw him here? Oh, I saw her here. Are these Christians and I saw them there? It's because there are several doors that we have not allowed Jesus to come in. Amen. Sometimes people even wonder if you are really a Christian. When they look at some of the things you are doing. You are a Christian, but you are a liar. You, in fact, you lie. Everything that you say, there has to be some lie in it. In fact, for you, lie is your default. So, so when you tell the truth, we should assume the opposite. You are a Christian and you are a thief. Whenever something is missing, the first suspect is you, a Christian. It's because certain doors are still closed. Hallelujah. You are a Christian and you can insult. I mean, you, you can insult so that a person can cry after you are done with a person. You can insult someone from the head to the toe. Amen. A Christian brother and you beat your wife. A Christian brother, your hand is very fast to move. You are a Christian husband and you are a wicked husband. Very wicked. Very, very wicked. Because you have not allowed Christ into certain areas of your life. Hallelujah. A Christian and you are an adulterer. You have girlfriend in Virginia, you have one in New Jersey, you have one in Connecticut, you have one everywhere. That's a Christian brother. What a shock. So you see, you have invited Christ into your life, but certain areas you have closed the door. Amen. And these things are common. Among Christians, that is why you can find a pastor, a past, a whole pastor who is a very wicked husband. A pastor and is a very wicked father. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? That is why Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and I knock. There are areas that he's knocking. There are areas in your life that he's knocking. Amen. You are a Christian husband and every area of your life is secretive. So much secret around you. Amen. You are, you are actually living in the house and your wife does not have access to the mailbox. Because you took her keys and you say it's lost. That is, I'm talking about Christians. Amen. And he says, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and I knock. Hallelujah. You can find a, a, a husband, a Christian husband, that is very stingy. Very stingy. Amen. You can find a Christian sister who sings in a choir 
but she can insult. Very rude. And you sing in a choir. Amen. We don't have such choir members in our church, do we? Amen. So you can understand that your whole life is not in the living room. Your whole life is not in the living room. Even though you have given Jesus a key to the house, he can enter and be in the living room. There are other rooms that you have not allowed him in. There are other places in your life that you have not allowed him in. Amen. Your life is in separate chambers. Your life is bundled in different rooms. And he stands at each door and he's knocking. And he says, if you will give him access, he will come in, in that particular area, and he will sup with you. He can fix that particular area only if you will give him access to that area. But that door is closed to him. Jesus is only in the living room. All the other doors are closed. Hallelujah. Your anger is a no-go area. You say, Lord, I think I have given you enough. As for this place, don't touch it. He can't come there. No one can deal with you at work. A Christian. There is nothing about you that shows that you are a Christian. There is nothing about you that shows that you are the light of this world. There is nothing that is about you that shows that. Amen. Oh, you don't like my message. Oh, that is what is on the menu. I am preaching. Amen. You are a born again Christian, but your mouth, your mouth, in fact, when we come to your workplace, and you see, you are one of the main people who engages in silly conversation, very nasty conversation, and you are a Christian. You are engaging all sorts of conversation. And sometimes you find all sorts of video passing around. And then you, a Christian, you see, <laughs> you are happy and laughing. You see, that area is still close. That area is still close. Amen. You are a Christian. You passing by and a, woman, a man will hit your buttocks. You know, and they hit your body. Oh, oh, stop it. Oh, don't do that. A Christian. A, woman, a man just, a, a, a strange man, a co-worker, not your husband, not nothing. Hit you like that. He said, hey, stop it. A Christian. Oh, I'm home. I'm home. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Amen. You are a Christian and God has no access to your finances. God has no access to your... You are a Christian, born again Christian, and you pay your tithe. You say, As, when I've paid my tithe, you say, the Lord says, the tithe is mine. And then you also say, the 90% is mine. And the Lord should not dare make any access to the 90%. Doesn't, shouldn't tell you what to do with the rest of the, I have paid my tithe, 
the rest is mine, and I do whatever I want with the rest of my money. You see, that is why many Christians are not prosperous. Because he stands at the door of your finances and he knocks. There is so much that he wants to tell you what to do with your own money. Many Christians, when they are doing something financial, they don't even pray about it. They don't invite the Lord into it. Because a lot of times you think that the Lord's way it will not be the way you want it. And so you don't even ask him. A lot of times we involve God in our finances when we are down. When we are, but when you are holding the 90%, he has no access in it. Amen. So you will find a tight-paying Christian who is walking around broke. A tight-paying Christian who gives offerings, but he's always broke. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 3. Hallelujah. Are you at Proverbs 19 verse 3? It says, The foolishness of man perverted his way, and his heart fretted against the Lord. Who has another version? Give me, an, give me, another, give me the New Living Translation, for instance. It says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Then they are angry at the Lord. You see, Lord, I paid my tithe. I have done this. I have done that. Why am I broke? You say, give. And I have given. Why am I broke? But you see, people ruin their own lives by their own foolishness. And they are angry at the Lord. Amen. God has no say in your finances. God has no say in what you decide to do with your money. But he stands at the door and he knocks. If you will open that door to your finances, he will come in and he will make it good with you. He will come in and he will make it good. Amen. Amen. A Christian, you have no, a Christian brother, you are looking to marry, but you don't involve God. You say, this decision I can make, Lord, this I know what I want. And you don't want to involve him at all in this decision process. And so many people, they marry and they are unhappy. Many people, they marry and they are unhappy. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, I believe, let's read from verse 26. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 26. It says, I discovered that a seductive woman is a trap. More bitter than death. Do you see? This is a very wise man writing. He says, I discovered that a seductive woman is a trap. More bitter than death. Her passion is a snare. Let me tell you, the passion of the woman is a snare. It's a trap. The passion that she likes this makeup that you like so much is a trap for you. The passion that she likes six inches high heel is a trap for you. The passion that she always has to look good in the gym, doing sit-ups and having a nice body is a trap that is there for you. Wow. 
It says, her passion is a snare and her soft hands. You see? Oh, oh, her hands so soft. They are chains, chains, chains. This is a woman who has gone through about 700 of them. And finally, this is a decision that he came to. He says, her soft hands that you like. Hold me here. Touch me here. Hold me there. It's a chain. A chain that is wrapping around you. Now he says, listen. Listen. He says, those who are pleasing to God will escape her. Those who are pleasing to God. Those who have allowed him door. Those who he has knocked and they have opened that area unto him. They will escape her. But the sinners will be caught in her snare. Amen. So verse 27, he says, Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh. But I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among those have I not found. Not one virtuous. Do you see? It takes the spirit of God to lead you and guide you to one. It takes the spirit of God. That is why he said, I stand at that door. I have come in. You are born again. But you are ready to marry. I want to be involved in that decision. Therefore, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open me and allow me in, I will come in and we will make that decision together. We will make that decision together. Hallelujah. Verse 29. So he says, Lo, this only have I found, that God had made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. They have sought out many inventions. God made us upright, but it is us who seeks out many inventions. The the King James says, the last verse, what does it say? That's the King James. Give us the New Living Translation. It says, but I did find this. God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. Downward path. Amen. Their own downward path. Hallelujah. So you realize that God has plans to bring you to an expected end. And he seeks to make that access, to bring you to that place. He's seeking, he's knocking, he's involved. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. God has plans to be involved in every area of your life. Hallelujah. You find some Christians, they have no respect for their parents. No respect for their parents. You are a born-again Christian who pays tight. Who gives offerings? Who comes to church Sunday after Sunday? Tuesday after Tuesday? But you have no honor for your parents. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. It says, Children, obey your law. Obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. He says, that it may be what? Well with you. That it may be well with thee. 
that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Look, many born-again Christians, tight-paying Christians, church-going Christians are unemployed because of this scripture. Yes. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. Regarding this, your relationship with your parents, I stand at the door and I knock. If you allow me in, I will come in and I will sup with you. That you will honor your parents. That it may be well with you. I want it that it be well with you. But as far as this area with your parents, you have not given me access. You have closed the door and I cannot come in. Therefore, it is not well with you. I want to come in. I want to come in. I want to tell you what to do with your father. I want to tell you what to do with your mother. I want to tell you how to honor them that it may be well with you. But that door is closed. That door is closed. And you are a born again Christian. Tight-paying Christian, but it's not well with you. It's because of this scripture. It says that you may live long on earth. Many born-again Christians die prematurely because of this scripture. And he says, I want to give you long life. He says, length of days will be yours, but I need access in that area. As far as you and your parents are concerned. As far as you and your mother is concerned. As far as you and your father. As far as that area is concerned. I want access to that door. That it may be well with you. That you may live long. Hallelujah. Am I speaking to somebody this afternoon? You are a born again Christian. But your character. Jesus has no say in your character. Very obnoxious. Very difficult. You are ill-natured. Very cantankerous. Difficult woman. Difficult man. Very, very difficult. Unbending. Unyielding. You don't give in. Unforgiving. And Jesus says, concerning this character, this area, I want access. Because if you let me in, I will bless you. Are there areas in our lives that are close to the Lord? Are there areas in our lives that we should give access to God? Are there still areas in our lives that Jesus is still standing behind the door and knocking? Hallelujah. You know, I want to give you one key. One key to let you know an area where the door is still closed to the Lord. Who wants to know the key? You sure you want to know the key? You want me to give you that key? One key that will tell you that this area is close to the, the Lord is the area where when the preaching comes, you feel uncomfortable. Is the area where when the preaching comes, you fight it in your heart. When we're preaching in that area, it irritates you. When we're preaching in that area, you say, oh, but what about this? Oh, you didn't say this. You know, you have not considered this. In my situation, you don't know this. And that area is still close to the, door, the Lord. And that area is not open. You see, if you are a tight-paying Christian and we are, praying, we are preaching about tight, 
you feel very comfortable and preach on. Oh, yes. You see, since you started paying your tithe, you don't worry so much about when we are pre- preaching on tithe. Do you see? But you see, if you, that area is still closed, you find yourself feeling uncomfortable. You find yourself fighting and resisting. Amen. When you receive a guest, you realize that you push all your dirty clothes to one particular room. All your dirty laundry. You see, the guest comes and the whole place is clean. It's nice. But one door, you don't want them to open that door. One door, you don't want anyone to go in there. You have pushed everything in that room. You have pushed everything in that room. You have pushed everything in that room and you have closed that door. Sometimes you put a big box in front of that door. No access. No access. Hallelujah. No access. That is the dirtiest room. And for us, we have rooms in our lives that are very dirty. And we have closed it to the Lord. And we say, no access to this room. And when the Lord comes in there, you get angry. When the message comes in there, you get irritated. When the Lord begins to enter into that room, you say, I've not given you access. You say, I don't like this. I'm not coming anymore. I don't want to hear this. When this series is over, then I will come. Because that is a dirty room. I don't want anyone in there. You know, one time somebody was having a party in the house and he cleaned, she actually said, she cleaned the entire house nicely, beautiful. And she packed all the dirty things in her bedroom. You know, pack all the dirty things, the things that people are not supposed to see. She packed them in the bedroom. And then one guest, as she was in the house, she decided to give herself a private tour of the house. (laughs) She decided to give herself a private tour of the house. So she started going through, checking the living room, very nice. Checking the family room, very nice. Checking your kitchen, checking the bathrooms. Checking to make sure everything is nice. And then she made her way up. And she went upstairs to the bedroom. And as the guest was downstairs, she heard some footsteps upstairs. So she ran upstairs. And she went there. And she saw this person has gone all the way in to the person's bathroom. And it was not easy with the person. Hallelujah. And that is what we do with Christ. That is what we do with Christ. When he brings his word to that area, we get angry. When we bring his word in that room, we get angry. You see, when someone is delivering a mail to you, when someone someone from FedEx, for instance, is delivering a mail to you, you see, you are okay if FedEx is walking in your hallway or walking on your lawn and coming, and they are coming to your main door. You are okay. Even though that is your private property, as he's coming, it's allowed. He can come. He can come. And then he can come and knock at the main door and then you can give him access into your living room. And then you can meet him even there. And then you will sign. 
and then you receive your meal. But if you were in the bedroom and you hear someone knocking at your bedroom door and you say, who is that? And he says, FedEx. You will not be happy with the person. I say you will not be happy with him. Hallelujah. You will not be happy. And so, you see, there are several doors in our lives that are close to the Lord. There are several doors in our lives that are close to the Lord. There are several doors. The Lord has no say in whom you are dating. He has no say in whom you are sleeping with. He has no say in who you go out with. The Lord has no say in that area. That is why when you are going to visit your beloved, you see a young man going to pick up his beloved to go somewhere, or you are going to visit your beloved, you don't take the word of God with you. You don't take your Bible with you. What you have in your pocket, in your wallet, are two condoms. And you leave the Lord behind. You say, this area, we don't take the Bible. This area, we are not going with the Bible. And even as you, you are picking her up, you are driving, you are driving, you turn off the gospel mes- music. Because that area, when it comes, when the Lord starts ministering his songs like that, it will spoil the atmosphere. He will have a say. So you change the music and put on some music that creates the atmosphere, that makes it right for the atmosphere. True or not true? (laughs) Young woman, true or not true? (laughs) Beloved, the Lord wants to have a say in every area of your life. He wants to have a say in every area of your life. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. There is no area that he wants to exclude himself. Every area, in every decision that you make, he wants to be involved. So he says in Proverbs, let's read our last scripture. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust him with all your heart. Don't leave any part. Trust him with all your heart. He has only good plans for you. He said, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Listen, he has no intention to bring you misery. He has no intention that he will make you miserable. So he says, trust him with all your heart. Let him be involved in every area of your life. Let him be involved in every decision that you make. He said, trust him with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Do not lean on your understanding. Let not your wisdom, let not this worldly wisdom dictate to you. Let not this worldly wisdom, don't say, Lord, I know the kind of woman that I want. I know the kind, I have, even as I was growing up, I knew from childhood the kind of woman that I want. Allow him to be involved in that decision. You say, Lord, I, I know if you're going to decide for me, you're going to bring one of these Christian brothers whose heads are like this, spectacles and all this type of thing. I know if you are going to bring me a a, a wife, you are going to bring me one of these Christian sisters who wear dress up to their feet and everything is covered. You can't take them any. But he says, allow me, allow me, allow me, allow me, allow me, 
allow me to be involved. Allow me to be involved. He says, lean not on your own understanding. But then he says, in all your ways, in all, some of your ways, some of your, just your salvation, just your offering, just your tithe, just your coming to church on Sunday, that we will see you like this. But what about home? But he says, in all your ways, at work, at home, with your wife, with your husband, with your children, with your co-workers, in all your ways, with your friends, in the restaurant, in the car, in the moment when the man is lifting his hand to lie on your tie, allow me to come in that time, that moment, allow me, let me have a say at that moment also, allow me, let not your feelings take over, let not your wisdom take over, let not your decision overcome mine, but in all your ways, Allow me in all your ways. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He shall direct your path. He shall direct your path. Involve God. Involve God. In everything that you do, involve God. When you are having decisions, involve God. Involve God. Sometimes we are taking certain decisions about our lives as a husband and you don't want to involve God. But when we involve God, he says, let that decision be made with you and your wife because you have that inheritance together. Let that decision be made. Allow God to be involved in every area of your life because what he seeks to bring you is joy. I say what he seeks to bring you is joy. And you allow him and see. He says, I have plans, plans of peace and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. He has more than you can think of. He has, he has more for you than you can imagine. Hallelujah. Our time is up. Put your hands together and stand onto your feet. And let's bring the service to a place. I stand at the door and knock. 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 Jesus, he says, I stand at the door and knock. What door is still closed? What door, beloved, look into your life. What area have you not allowed him to come in? What area is the Lord not involved in? He says, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door. I am coming in. Let me in. Let me be involved in that decision concerning you and your marriage. Let me be involved. Oh, he says, I have so much to do with your marriage. I have so much to do with your finances. I have so much to do in that decision, in the decision that you are making. Where you want to live, the house that you want to buy. God wants to be involved in that decision. Allow him. Allow him. Give him access. Give him access. Give him access. Give him access. I surrender all. Allow him. I say, allow him. Allow him. Unto Jesus, I surrender. Oh, give it all to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Give it to Jesus. Give it all. Give it to all. Everything I Yes. Is there any area? Is there any place? Any area? Is there any place? Is there any place? 
What are you withholding from him? What are you taking back from him? What are you withholding? He said, that area, I want to be involved. I want to be involved. I have plans concerning that area also. I have come in, but I'm only in the living room. But I have plans concerning that area. Concerning the area of your marriage. Concerning the area of your finances. He says, open that door. Open that door to me. Open that door. Oh, yes. He wants access. He says, I stand and I know. What are you withholding from him? What are you withholding? What are you withholding? Oh, yes. Yes. What are you withholding? Withholding nothing. Father, we do not want to withhold anything from you. We withhold nothing from you. I give you all. Yes. Oh, yes. I give you all.
withholding nothing. Oh no, withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. No, no. afternoon we are grateful oh yes oh God there are several doors that we have closed to you but Lord we did not know that it was to our own head you said there is a way that seemed right in the eyes of man but the end thereof is death father we thought we were closing it off because we knew 
and we knew how to go in but Lord Jesus this afternoon we surrender it all unto you Father we close no door to you we say have access to every area of our lives we open every door unto you oh Jesus we give it all unto you we withhold nothing from you have your way have your way decide on our behalf we withhold nothing from you we say we will not lean on our understanding anymore but in all of our ways we will acknowledge you have your way amongst us Jesus we give it all this afternoon Father, we thank you this afternoon for your word. We are gracious and thankful for our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have access to every door that is in our lives. Father, we do not withhold anything from you. Have your way as you please. We thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here this afternoon, you have not given your life to Jesus. You have not given him access even to the main house of your life. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. There is so much that Jesus wants to do in your life. There is so much if you give him access. He says he will come in and he will sup with you and you with him. Beloved, you are here this afternoon. You have not given your life to Jesus. He wants access into your life. There is so much that he wants to do with you. If you are here, you don't have Jesus Christ as your savior. But you want to invite him into your life. You want to first open the door for him to come in. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to be saved. If you are here like that, with all eyes closed, every head bowed. If that is you, lift up your right hand wherever you are and I'll pray with you. We say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive Jesus Christ into my life. I want to be born again. Beloved, do not live here without receiving Christ. You are here like that. Lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. I'll say a short prayer with you. Anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus. The Lord is here to receive you. He says he stands at the door and he's knocking right now, this moment. He's knocking. He's knocking. Beloved, you may not have this opportunity again. Maybe you have heard this many times. You have received this invitation many times. But you may not have that opportunity again. If that is you, you want to receive Jesus, lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that? The enemy is talking to you and he says, you can do it another time. Don't listen to the enemy. Jesus is here to save you. Anyone here like that? Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see. I see your hand. Keep it up. There's another person. God is talking to you. He says, don't leave this place. I am here. I am standing at the door and I am knocking. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, don't live here. Don't live here without receiving Jesus. There is so much he wants to do in your life. There is so much, beloved. You have no idea. 
the plans that he has concerning your life. Is there anyone here like that? Anyone else? Anyone else? Keep your hand up. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you have lifted up your hand, I want you to come before me here. Take a bold step. Join me here. Take one more bold step and come forward here. I I want to pray with you. I surrender. There is another person here. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Take that bold step. He said, don't be ashamed of me and I will not be ashamed of you before my father. Yes. You want to join right now. of you to join in this prayer and brother say this after me say lord jesus Jesus. thank you for dying for me me. i have sinned against you i have have walked in all only my ways i have walked only in my ways lord jesus this afternoon i come before you and i say have your way i open the door to you come in be my Lord, be my Savior, be my Master. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Let the blood of Jesus wash me. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my personal Savior. From today, I will serve you. I will follow you. Lord Jesus, please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Let's make a declaration. Say, Satan, Satan, from today, today, I will not serve you anymore. I give you no place in my life. Jesus is my savior. He's my master. I will serve him the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for our brother. We thank you, Father, for a son who was once lost. He has come. Oh, Lord. And a good father. You say, you welcome him. You say, I have stood at that door for a long time. And you say, you are happy to come in. Dear Lord, I ask that you build a fence around this one. I pray, oh God, that you let this fence be visible to the eyes of the enemy. I pray, oh God, that you command angels to watch over him. Give him that ability to save you from this day to the rest of his life. Lord Jesus, You say, if anyone puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not worthy. Father, I pray that he shall never look back, but may he continue to walk with you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, brother. God bless you. What's your name? God bless you, Lord. Wonderful. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the...